Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we will be discussing veneration. So let's get started. As always, Lindsay, it's good to be able to gather with you and to just reflect a little bit about some of the topics that, that are part of our church that uh, a lot of times are misunderstood. And, uh, and, and because they're misunderstood, we are perceived as you know, people who worship idols, who worship saints, who worship Mary, who, who worship just about everything and anything except God. And, and, and nothing could be farther from the truth when you start to to look at you know how we got to different places or or why our approach has a our church has an approach that it has and just to to go back a little bit you know, because i think it's 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 rooted in us when we talk about veneration it has a lot to do with as we spoke about the last time with devotions and and and, and how we as a people you know, really have practiced a variety of devotions and how these devotions have a huge historical, you know, aspect to them of how they evolve over time, uh, particularly in cultures, uh, whatever it might be that, that influences these things. And so out of these devotional practices that, that oftentimes we have, comes the, you might say, the venerations that we also have of, of you might uh, call them heroes or saints. Now, a lot of this also stems uh, from the fact that we believe in the concept that we call the communion of saints. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is that he's the bridge between the world we are in here and the world that is yet to come. And we believe that, you know, there is life after death. And as a consequence, we believe, you know, when we talk about the communion of saints, um, whoever God enter, has entered into the kingdom is ultimately up to God. But those that we believe truly are with God because of extraordinary lives and the holiness of their lives and sainthood comes in lots of different sizes and shapes and circumstances. We believe that this, 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 group body called the communion of saints that there is a connectedness that what in a sense they do in the kingdom has an effect on what we do and what we do here somehow connects to them and and so we look at them and any number of those folks that have been part of our church tradition and and a lot of times it makes news when someone is is you know mm -hmm. is uh, considered to be a saint that it's realizing that they have had a powerful effect on our lives. Uh, they have had a powerful effect uh, sometimes on a complete population or a city or, or a country or particular, particularly an ethnic group or a cultural group somehow that, that these people have had a huge effect. And, you know, because of their example have helped you know, hundreds, thousands, if not millions of people to grow in their prayer. But the, the thing that, that is so, so important, that no matter how strong a veneration is, and, and you know, of course, we have stages of that. <laughs> of course we do. Mm -hmm. You know, that no matter how strong the veneration is, is that 
we might venerate, we might honor, we might do lots of things, but God and God alone is adored. And, and these people, no matter who they are, these people, these examples, always, always point back to the Lord. Always. And if they don't, they have no place within our, you know, really they have no place in our, uh, in, in our uh, faith tradition. So veneration is something totally different than adoration. Absolutely. Okay. Is that veneration, there are three, like I said, three different levels when we talk about veneration. Uh, one, veneration given to saints, you know, general saints, is referred to as a term called dulia. It's, it's a Latin term. It's about venerating, holding in honor uh, people who are important in our faith tradition. Then you have a, a higher veneration level. And again, we're, we're all about the levels, you might say, is that, for example, this would be given to Mary, and this term is called hyperdulia. You know, it's, it's Mary is venerated you know, in a, in a way that, let's say, you know, St. Christopher is not, you know, because of, of her importance, the, the role that she played and plays, you know, when it, came, when it comes to Jesus and, and the birth of the Messiah. So for her, it's like hyperdulia. And then there is, you know, supreme worship or what we would call adoration. That belongs to God and to God alone. And that's really stems, you know, within the, the first commandment. You know, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no strange gods before me. Is that God and God alone is, is worshiped and adored. We might venerate, we might honor. God and God alone is worshiped and adored. And all of those other people, no matter who they are, Mary herself, it was never about Mary, always point back to her son, the Lord, always point back to God, always. So at the top is God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, because they're Trinity. Trinity. Okay. One and, right. and then Mary's the next highest because right. she did some cool things. And then all the rest of the saints. Pretty much. Pretty Ooh. much so. Pretty it's much not so. really a pyramid so much as a... Yeah, know, platform and then a tower. Exactly, it's it's <laughs> it's worse. It's a caste system. I mean, you know, and 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 I think that's sometimes a part that's that gets lost. And and I was going to mention, you know, that it really was the the Second Vatican Council in the '60s that really, as I have said before, had to take a step back and saying, what are we doing and why, to where. You never quite knew sometimes with some of the rituals and some of the prayers that we had, do we venerate Mary or do we adore her? You know, is, is she on the par with God mm -hmm. or, or is she, you know, kind of lower down? You know, who's more important, Mary or Jesus? And, and there were some real questions. So the criticism at times that that is part and parcel of, of our tradition of, of how we explain things or how we looked at things certainly is justified in a lot of ways because there were lines over time that were crossed that that should never have been crossed and so uh, it was the second council that really started to to sort some of these things out and saying wait a minute here this is what our faith faith is based on this is who our Messiah is 
and, and it is not this person or that person or what, whatever, is that, and, and they needed to bring that back, you might say, down to earth a little bit and saying, you know, we need to clarify for people what exactly we're doing and why we're doing it. So we have, you know, when it comes to the, the, the Catholic, you know, veneration of saints, giving them honor, seeing in their lives an example, uh, a teaching, uh, somehow something that reflects, first of all, the magnificence of God and how at times they did extraordinary things, you know, in the name of God. Uh, and in other times they did, they simply lived as good folks and, but were such an example, you know, in a neighborhood or, or by how they prayed or, or maybe a group that they, you know, that they, they discovered or, or created in order to teach people about God and such is that these people, you know, are, are recognized that they are an example to be followed, always realizing is that it points back to God and ultimately to God alone. And so you, we have one of the official things that we have in the church is that it's called the, uh, it's called the Octa Sanctorum. It's basically the, the Acts of the Saints. It's, uh, you have a, a couple of different versions, but the official version that's basically housed in Rome of, of all of the saints that, that are recognized in the church universal it's it's uh, 70 plus volumes now and and it has and, and and literally what they had to do with with these volumes was to sort out the fact from the fable you know what was legend what was actually can be proven what what is truth and what are stories that somehow grew up around these people because we have to remember that, you know, and as the church grew and developed over time, it was big money to be recognized with a saint. I mean, you had people who, who made pilgrimages. You, you were able to charge people for coming in to pray. You were, I mean, th there were any number of villages that, you know, it's like, wow, you know, we've got, you know, the head of John the Baptist. Well, at one point, there were three different cities that claimed to have had the head of John the <laughs> Baptist, which I think John the Baptist would have been very surprised at. You have, you know, different cities that would claim to have, well, I've got the arm of this saint, and well, well we've got two arms of this saint, and well, that makes, you know, three arms or four arms or six arms. Is that, like I said, it was, it was big money. In for, and when news travels slow in that time, who knows? Exactly. Exactly. And there were battles fought over this stuff. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to go defeat this city because they have the head of, and we've got the body, but they've got the head. It was, you know, it, it got to the point of craziness at times. And, you know, go figure some of that. And it's in, in at times we lost a sense of, of the importance of these people for our faith life. And it became more about money, power, control, and prestige, and all sorts of other things. And so literally part of the task of the Second Council was to clean up, you might say, the stories. Uh, in fact, when one of the, uh, one of the you might say, uh, go-to places uh, in the United States here is the Butler's Lies of the Saints. Butler's Lies of the it's a, it's a It's a very... Uh, it's one of the go-to volumes. It's right now. It's like a twelve-volume set, and 
it has, you know, supposedly the vast majority of saints. In the in the old set of volumes, you had, uh, you know, where people said, you know, they they did this, and you know, they they were shot with arrows, and and they pulled them all out, and then they were stoned to death, and then they got up and walked, and you know, again, the stories were were perceived to be true. Mm-hmm. Now, when you read the revised Butler's Lives of the Saints. It usually starts out with, there is very little we know about this <laughs> saint, <laughs> you know. There are many legends and stories. Here's what they, what we do know. They were born here. They died here. They, they serve the poor. But then they will oftentimes say at toward the end of the, the section or whatever, uh, there are many stories and myths that you can read about some of the outrageous things that supposedly these saints did. But there is no foundation in truth, you know, or fact to, to say that any of this is true. Inevitably, but see, that was one way to bring back some authenticity mm-hmm. of saying, you know, we're, we're not here to just spread stories. And, and as you had mentioned before, when news traveled slowly, when no one you know, really had the ability necessarily to prove or disprove, you kind of went on what you knew. And, but there might be a, a town 50 you know, miles down the road that had a completely different story. Mm-hmm. You just never knew it. And so you weren't going to necessarily say anything about it. But what, it's, what the church does do, though, in many ways, is to recognize that, you know, we venerate these people, we honor them, we recognize the goodness in their lives, we recognize the simple and sometimes extraordinary things that, that they, they did. And, and, you know, we, we talk about praying to this saint. And in a sense, again, it goes back to the communion of saints. We believe that when we pray that a saint, again, we're talking about those who are living in the kingdom, that, that there is influence, that, that they can, will, may intercede for us. It's, it's trusting, not that somehow we're trying to pay them off or bribe them or anything like that. It's realizing that, you know, we, if we pray genuinely, that that prayer is heard ultimately by the God who loves all of us. And, and that that saint uh, that we venerate or have prayed to, that there may very well be intercession on our behalf as they stand before God in what we call this communion of saints. Also, part of this is developed in the sense that when you are poor or when you are told that you are of no value, not necessarily even to God, and so you feel that you cannot approach God or approach Jesus, you know, in prayer, who are you going to go to? So you go to mom, you go to Mary, you go to somebody that maybe has some influence. Part of this is a response of of people's perception that they were not loved or that they were not, you know, that they are not worthy or whatever. And in fact, what's interesting is that it was uh, St. Francis de Sales that in, in his um, 
you know, his book on, on devotion is that he came up with this novel idea that he was chastised for horribly that anybody could grow in holiness. Anybody. That you could be a holy ditch digger. You could be a holy farmer. That was a novel idea. This is in the 1200s. Is that this was a novel idea. It's like people were blown off their chairs, you know, saying, <laughs> how dare you say that, that this low-life person who dug ditches could grow in holiness. And it was St. Francis de Sales in his writing saying, yes, indeed, they can grow in holiness. That no matter who, no matter what circumstance in their life, they were called to be holy. But before that, when you have, in a sense, no recourse, is that people find a way. And yet there's that sense, you know, when they call it the census fidelum, the, the faith of the general people, the faith of the population, is that the sensitive fidelum says, God is listening, that we can communicate with God, that you don't have to have money, you don't have to necessarily have power, but that we all can communicate with God. And so we find ways to do that. We find all sorts of ways to do that when it comes to devotions. So, you know, devotions come through then, uh, not devotions, but, you know, that, that's veneration that grows out of devotions in men's day. That as we venerate, you know, veneration comes through uh, those saints, for example, that are universally recognized, Mary, for example, those that might be more local, you know, in, 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 in status, you might say, um, those that we we venerate through prayers in the in the breviary or the liturgy of the hours there are prayers uh, from uh, people that are recognized to be holy uh, it might be from the early history of the church or or maybe not as well-known writers that you know uh, like John Chrysostom who uh, was known for his ability to preach uh, there will be writings about that and in order that we venerate those people that have much to teach us. And that's really one of the things that we can learn, that when we venerate someone, we can learn an awful lot by what they teach us, by the example that they give. And the other thing is that we also have veneration in many ways, you might say, through popularity. Um, what's one of those? Uh, Saint Christopher, for example. You know. St. Christopher was kind of taken off the, off the, the Roman calendar that they call uh, when we look at saints and all of that. There were lots of saints that were eventually removed from the Roman calendar, usually because there was no proof one that they ever existed hmm. um, or that there was, you know, the vast majority of anything we might have known was all, let's say, just shrouded in, you know, in... in some stories and or shady facts. It's like when fishermen tell their tales, you know, like Abs. it's this big and then it gets bigger and exactly. bigger no matter how many times you tell it. Exactly. And and so but there was such a popularity for Christopher that you still find, you know, Christopher medals mm -hmm. um, and and the image of him carrying a child across the river. Uh, St. Christopher medals are found in cars, are found in, in all sorts of places is that popularity itself, you know, says, maybe there's more here that is revealed again through the faithful than necessarily through fact. Hmm. Was there a St. Christopher? Very possible. 
I suspect there could be any number of people that, you know, were named Christopher that were very holy and wonderful people. Uh, is there any fact or, you know, things written down about it? Not so much. <laughs> and, and so it's more of a popularity type of thing than anything else. And it's, it's these, you know, ways that we, we enter into devotion that, that uh, we do. In so many ways, we speak our hearts. We have devotions to, you know, to people that for those who have cancer. We have devotions for those who are traveling, you know, pilgrimages. We have devotions, Saint, uh, you know, Francis, for the earth and, and animals and such. Devote, there are, in so many ways, you might say, the depths of the human heart is revealed or, or maybe just kind of laid open through the prayers of the devotions that we have. And it's interesting when you you start to looking at the, uh, the lives of people and you start to hear them tell the stories of their devotions, you begin to learn an awful lot about their lives, you know? Now, devotions and venerations kind of the same? In many ways, I should say venerations kind of stem out of devotions okay. that, you know, uh, and, and I, sometimes I, I, you know, with veneration, I, I slip back into it because uh, they're built, they kind of... Kind of go hand in hand. Hand in hand, yes. Yeah. They go hand in hand. And, and the venerations that we have at times, you might say a devotion is... Is a veneration that is more developed, more has a has a more of a framework mm -hmm. or a, or a following or whatever. Uh, but going back to my comment in a way that, and I and I would stand by it, saying that you know with the venerations, it really does is that you know people with cancer, and they talk about you know Saint Peregrine. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of Saint Peregrine growing up, and yet. People who have gone through and struggled with cancer or loved ones, they know exactly who I'm talking, you know, when I mentioned, they know who St. Peregrine is. And there are histories and legends and, and all sorts of stuff that is, you know, surrounds these saints. But whether it's a illness, whether it is someone who is in prison, whether it is someone who is, has, a, has a terrible disability, whether it is someone who, who is praying for their children because their children just need a whole lot of <laughs> prayer, whether it is someone who is praying for uh, a woman that is expecting, you know, um, someone who is struggling with addiction. Hearts are just laid bare, and, and, and there is pretty much again when you think of humanity um, is that there's a saint pretty much for everything mm -hmm. because it's the human condition one of the one of the, uh, the, the books that I enjoy tremendously because sometimes we have these um, you know when it comes to saints and, and venerating saints we have this ideal of, of what saints are and what their life was like is that it's a book, and I can't remember the author, but the, the title of the book is Saints Behaving Badly. And it takes a number of saints that lived god-awful lives, but then there was a moment of conversion. And how these oftentimes regular Joes and Janes speak to people a lot of times more than maybe Francis does, or may, maybe more than Mary does. 
because they can identify with. And so there is a, a veneration, you know, to this saint or, or whatever, because that, um, that saint speaks to them, again, speaks to the human heart in a way that maybe someone else, something else does not. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the devotions are just developed in, in just all sorts of ways. And when, when through these, you know, we, we venerate, and as I mentioned, there's, I, there's probably not a circumstance that a person cannot find a medal, a card, something that would help them in prayer that they identify as they venerate these saints and recognize them as, as people who are holy, people who, who, it's like you're able to say, you can do it, why? Because I did it, and I'm just like you. And sometimes when it comes to Jesus, people just don't get that same feeling, <laughs> you know, um, because we still have Jesus, you know, almost like this Superman, uber person, as opposed to saying, you know, St. Peregrine is just like me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that I venerate that person because they did it and I know I can do it. And I know that somehow they stand before this God who hears me and, and speak on my behalf. So devotion, uh, not devotions, but devotions, out of those devotions really come, you know, many of these venerations that we have of, of, of various, usually various saints. So is doing a litany of the saints even more powerful because you're calling on like, Yes. All of these saints to do these things? Yes, in a way, it, it really is, uh, Lindsay, because a litany, uh, you know, when you th when you think about a litany of saints, it really is calling down. That's why when, when we have the litany of saints, and that can be sung in any number of times, and now it's being used more and more frequently, for example, with baptisms. Mm -hmm. Whereas generally in the past, it was usually only used, you know, on, 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 on Holy Saturday. Um, but now you're finding the litanies because these litanies, again, contain names that we identify, uh, we identify with. And so, you know, when, when it comes to a baptism, as, as you well know, because you've sung them, mm -hmm. you know, we put the child's name in that list that they are to be listed among the saints. Or we put the names of their parents or, or grandparents or godparents or, you know, we put those names in there. They do the same thing for ordinations, you know, putting the names of the, because it's, it's realizing that we are calling upon all of those who have somehow, you know, gone before us. We venerate them. We give them honor because we know and we believe they stand before God. And we are ultimately praying to that God to, you might say, to, to, to crash open the gates and just, you know, let God hear every cry, every plea, every whatever it might be that we place before God, storming, as they say, storming the gates of heaven. <laughs> so the litany of saints is, is, a, is, a, is a type of devotion where we venerate those who, um, and honor those who have gone before us. And like I said, it's, it's, it's interesting when people you know, for baptisms and such, and people say, wait a minute, my child's name was in there, you know. <laughs> it's like, or or my spouse's name was there, my name was in there. And saying, yeah, you're part of us. I mean, you're part of us. 
and, and, and we are asking God's blessings upon all, and we are storming the gates in order that God hears us in a whole special way. So it's in, in one of the, the, the key ways that we talk about, you know, veneration uh, when it comes to that is we venerate Mary, the mother of God. I mean, we could talk hours just on that in and of itself, but there are all sorts of titles, you know, uh, numerous titles of, of, of for Mary. Again, that it's, it says about her universal appeal that that as a mom, as a as a, a person who was challenged and saying her yes, as a someone who suffered loss, as you know, as one of us, you might say that that she has this universal appeal, and so the way we venerate her are through devotions, you know, and it's it's one of the ways that we give her honor, and and that as we say the hyperdulia. That, that she's, you know, below God, of course, in a sense, but, but she is above, you know, in a sense, the rest, too, mm-hmm. because of her unique place, her unique space of, of, um, of in, in our own spiritual history and in, you know, the incarnation, bringing in the, the, the Son of God through, through her, his birth. And so the titles that we use, you know, speak of the theology that we believe and, and, and how we venerate her as the Blessed Virgin Mary, as, you know, the, the prayers, the ancient prayers that, that, you know, go back to the early centuries of, of what it meant to recognize her with a great sense of honor. Um, wasn't always the case in the sense that there was a, a big fight and, you know, in the sense when um, the, you might say, the rosary went from remember, remembering the Psalms to having a more Marian, you know, thrust or, mm-hmm. or, or theme to it, is that no, 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 you can't do this. So, you know, there were lots of different arguments on both sides in order for us as a church to come to the awareness of what it means when we celebrate you know, the Assumption, what it means when we celebrate the Annunciation, what it means when we celebrate the Immaculate Conception. All of these things, all of these beliefs in our theology, you know, are, are in a way ways that we venerate Mary as the Mother of God. You know, when that was all defined, you know, the what they called in the Eastern Rite, the Theotokos, is that Mary, the Mother of God, who we venerate on January 1st, you know. These are all ways, and, and some of the devotional practices that we have, all ways that we venerate Mary throughout different cultures. You know, again, when you think about uh, Mexico and Our Lady of Guadalupe, when you think about you know some of the the European nations where you, you look at, for example, like uh, Mary, Mother of Perpetual Help, uh, you know, the Sorrowful Mother, uh, all of these, all of these images. Lourdes, Fatima, all sorts of experiences and and apparitions that have been reported of of how we as a people have been invited to grow in faith, how we have been invited to grow in our sense of of love for God and, and come to recognize God's love for us. We honor saints, we honor Mary, we don't adore. Um, we pray too. Yes, indeed. 
but we know ultimately it is God and God alone that answers prayer is that we pray sometimes to these folks because sometimes we don't even know what prayer we need and it's you know it, it's Paul who talked about at times that the groaning of the spirit you know here's our groanings and and God and the spirit knows what we need before we even know what we need so there's there's a lot too you know the the venerations that we do and and how we do them because it's again it speaks of the longing of the human heart and how much is there the joy the pain the anguish the questions the hopes the dreams all of that and in so many ways that's expressed through the veneration of the saints Mary and such um, but God and God alone we worship so so one more question can you only venerate saints and Mary or can you venerate people who have died before you like family members or I would say yes in that we you know when we think about um, when we think about those who have gone before us I think about you know some of my own grandparents for one my own mom and dad is that um, I believe that that they lived very good lives holy lives uh, were they perfect no but this is not about perfection so I would say yes we are able to venerate um, in, you might say it's 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 one of those levels another level in yeah. a way because uh, when we venerate saints and such is that those have been those who've been officially recognized okay so there is a there is a, a more of a universal or more of a a broader sense of who these people were but I would certainly say say and I have heard people express this in a number of ways that you know they have uh, prayed to their grandmother or they have prayed to their grandfather or whomever because to them they were an exceptionally holy person and and they there is no doubt in their mind that these people stand before God and so I would say yes in in, in a bit of a different way but it's always nuanced you might say mm -hmm. and and but that's part of our church it's recognizing there's a place for everybody really and and there is a you know, when they pass, when people pass on, we, we trust and believe they're in God's hands now. Mm -hmm. And somehow those prayers are heard. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, great. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there for this time. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time.